We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. You're listening to Chicago's number one sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. A Radio.com sports station. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. The Score! 1-1 pitch. Sandberg, five hits, including two home runs. Wow, what a ball game. We will go to the 11th, tied at 11. Sandberg, in the Cubs' last at-bat, has twice delivered a game-tying home run, a solo shot of the night, a two-run blast with two out of the 10th. What a beautiful day this is. I stand here today before you humbled and a grateful baseball player. And as I look behind me here, Wow. At the greatest players in the history of the game, I am in awe. Everything I am today, everything I have today, everything I will ever be is because of the game of baseball. And if there is a single reason I am here today, it is because of one word, respect. I love to play baseball. I'm a baseball player. I've always been a baseball player. I'm still a baseball player. To the Baseball Writers Association, I thank you for granting me this incredible honor. Thank you, and go Cubs! It's Mark Grody on 670 The Score, a Radio.com sports station. And all of a sudden, I'm, a, I'm an 11-year-old again. And Brian Sandberg, I believe that was the Sandberg game. And that's Bob Casas and Tony Kubek on, you could say NBC. Back then, we just said Channel 5. And uh, what a great day that was. Never... Never gets old here in Ryan Sandberg. Uh, I am here with you until 9 o'clock tonight on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, we got a lot to do. More Bears talk coming up. We'll talk White Sox with James Fegan at 740. Bulls with Cody Westerlin of 670. The score at 8 o'clock. But now let's bring in the Hall of Famer, Ryan Sandberg. What's going on, Rhino? How are you, man? Hey, Mark. Doing good. Doing good. Getting ready for the season. Yeah, man. And uh, what what are you doing to get ready? You're doing some bro- you're doing some stuff for Marquee Sports Network. T- tell me what you've been up to or what you will be up to. Uh, well, it's just getting started. Actually, going to be uh, doing some games up in the booth as a third wheel. Be doing some uh, pregame shows, some postgame shows. Uh, doing some podcasts. Uh, 
kind of a mixed bag type of thing. So, you know, looking forward to it, um, you know, just to, uh, just to welcome the season back, uh, you know, after last year, uh, just to be a part of it and be a part of a team and uh, be part of the, the game and, and, uh, and what the Cubs are going to do this year. It's uh, to get back in, in this capacity, looking forward to that, looking forward to getting back to Wrigley field with some fans and, uh, and get on the TV a little bit and talk some baseball. Well, it's good. It's a strange feeling right now, Rhino, because it's the first year in a while where it's hard to know what to expect out of the Cubs this year, just because of some of the hefty losses that have occurred with, with you Darvish and Kyle Schwarber and, you know, the talk around Chris Bryant, what do you expect out of this Cubs team? Do you have a good beat on what the Cubs might do or might accomplish this year? Well, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very optimistic actually. Um, uh, you know, I think Darvish leaving and John Lester, um, I thought that was send, sending a tone and a message that it was, uh, and then the, the, uh, the possibilities of Chris Bryant leaving this winter or this spring has not happened. Uh, as I watched some games on TV and follow the club, um, you know, uh, they replaced Schwarber with uh, with Jock Peterson, who's having a great spring with five home runs already, and uh, a, a, looks like a good solid bat uh, on a one-year contract. It looks like he's out to prove something after a down year with the Dodgers the year before uh, last year. Um, and then uh, to see some of the uh, some of the pitching help that they've gotten. Um, and with the nucleus still there of, of a Rizzo and a, um, we got Bodie and uh, and Horner battling out for second base. I think both will play somewhere and throughout the season. You got Baez and you still got Bryant. You got Contreras. You got Hayward uh, you, and Peterson in the outfield. All of a sudden you look and it's uh, it's a pretty good looking team and they're having a good spring. So. Uh, I like the way that they're they're swinging the bats and scoring some runs, and um, so it's not a rebuild at all. And the core players from 2016 are now seasoned veterans, and and so it uh, it, it kind of looks it kind of looks interesting. And uh, I think they're in the right division. That you know they won the division <laughs> last year. Nobody really talks about that because of the the quick series with the Marlins. But uh, to be in this division uh the cardinals will be improved uh but to get to the playoffs in some capacity if you add a piece going along because things are working out and you end up keeping chris bryant then all of a sudden it's uh it's a chance to get back to postseason where anything could happen yeah no doubt about it and it it is it, let's go back to your position second base and I know you mentioned Nico Horner and David Bodie. Horner had a good day today, two three with an RBI, but Bodie has picked it up quite a bit recently. Who do you like starting at second base? Which one of those two players have you liked better? Well, uh, basing the, uh, some of it on last year, you don't base everything on spring training and, uh, you know, whatever, what do they play, 20 games or 15, 20 games yeah. at that position. Um, looking back at last year, I kind of like uh, Nico Horner there as the young guy, the young energy guy. 
Bodie's going to do a good job as he has, and he's, he signed a multi-year deal because he's a valuable guy to play some second, some third. He can play short if he had to. He can hit off the bench as a right-handed bat. He, he kind of fits that guy. So any way you look at it, uh, they have some choices there. But I like uh, I like Horner there to start with um, just because of what he did last year. And uh, once again, I think Bodie uh, already has a feel for – getting the spot start or playing some different positions other than Horner does. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's really been, whether he wants to be or not, he's been really successful in that position. And I hope it doesn't preclude him from eventually at some day in his life being a starter, but I definitely agree with you on that. We, you mentioned Jacques Peterson earlier, and he's probably been the, the Cubs best offensive player during spring training for whatever it's worth. And, and we know it may or may not mean anything, but what is meaningful, what's his day today? Because Jock Peterson it was 0 for 3, but it, he, he was facing all lefties today. Dallas Keuchel started. He was retired by Garrett Crochet, another lefty for the White Sox, and then Aaron Bummer as well. Do you think that Jacques Peterson will be successful in hitting against left-handed pitchers, you know, throughout 150 games or whatever it is that he gets to start this year, assuming he yeah. does hit lefties? Yeah, I don't know that. You know, I haven't seen him enough when he's with the Dodgers. Um, and uh, maybe, you know, maybe that was a maybe that was a start today to, just to see how he would how he would fare against a, a solid left-handed pitcher. And, uh, you know, David Ross might have seen something that uh, would give him a little inkling over the course of a year. You're facing a, a, a ace of a left-handed pitcher and on a day game after a night game. Maybe you get a right-handed bat out there and in the outfield and uh, give uh, Jock a day off. You just don't know. But um, he has hit well against the right-handed pitching, as you had mentioned. So maybe that was a, maybe that was a little test today just to see how he would do. You do have the option to pick and choose to face a uh, to face a, an ace lefty on a on a certain staff uh, to give him the day off if that's not a good matchup. Maybe he hits the uh, one of the softer throwing left-handed pitchers. I don't know, but uh, there are options to uh, get another get a right-handed bat in that situation and and let him uh, feel real comfortable and do damage against uh, right-handed pitchers. Talking to the Cubs Hall of Famer, Ryan Sandberg. Going to be doing some work for the Marquee Sports Network this year. I'm Mark Grody with you until 9 o'clock here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, I need you to help me out with the, the Cubs starting staff and, and tell me that things are better than I think they are. Because to me, the only really sure thing in that starting rotation is Kyle Hendricks and maybe Zach Davies. And he's you know obviously not a number one or a number two. Uh, am I missing something? Like, is their starting staff, can it be better than I think it is? Because I don't think they go very deep or very dependable right now, the way it's lined up. Yeah, and that's, that's where they're going to – I'm a little bit uh, little bit detached from uh, from the new guys, uh, not not in camp for the first time uh, that I can think of just because of COVID and everything. So I, did, I don't have a real good uh, feel on that or a good look on that. Um, so it'll be opportunity. I know that in the last couple of years, they've had some young starters that were uh, knocking at the door at the minor league level. It might be an opportunity for someone like that to come up and uh, and get a chance. But, um, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm slightly out of touch on that. Can't wait to 
Uh, can't wait to see the team and see the roster and, and uh, see some of the early games just to answer that question that you're talking about. But um, fill in the shoes of a, a Darvish and a, a John Lester, uh, big task right there. But uh, like I say, with the regulars that they have in the defense, maybe they're counting on a couple young guys to step in and fill those shoes. And losing Lester was not necessarily shocking. I think that a lot of us could have anticipated that. But were you surprised about the Cubs trading you, Darvish? Uh, at the time, but you know, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't really sure the direction that the, the club was going to go uh, with Theo leaving and with some different things and uh, with some uh, contract. Some some of the guys are on their last year of a contract and free agencies next year. There was a lot of uh, decisions and. Uh, directions for the organization and for the team to go. So, you know, I thought it was with Darvis leaving, I thought that was sending a message that then Chris Bryant could go. Uh, one of the two, Javi Baez or Contreras, the, those names were floating out there over the winter time. But now that everybody's there and they're together as a group, uh, like I say, the lineup looks pretty good to me. And so um, now it's like, okay, who who is going to fill those shoes with, with a good lineup like that and, and the core still together and aged a little bit where they, uh, they, they, could have a, they could have a good year together once again with the help of uh, some pitching. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be. It, it feels like last call again maybe for some of those core guys like Rizzo exactly. and Baez. Yeah, last, right? chance, last chance scenario for these guys to get to get it together and kind of see how the season goes. And, you know, if it, if it goes very well, I mean, now, now you start thinking or about, or watch, watching for a, a piece to be added to it, <laughs> you know, to, uh, to get right back to postseason again. Rhino, I always appreciate you coming on, man. I always love uh, following your Instagram game. It might be one of the best things that, you know, that you have accomplished in retirement, I would say, that, you know, uh, forget the Hall of Fame and the work you did for the score and Marky. It's your Instagram game, man. <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's some humor there if you look close enough. Uh, I have some fun with that and, and, and throw some humor in there. Uh, but, uh it's a good, it's a good time sharing those types of things. And, you know, now with Marquis and getting back to Wrigley field and having that vantage point, I imagine we'll see some shots from uh, up there from the booth. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and, and, uh, so you, you do all your postings, right? Cause some people like uh, guys of your status, celebrities, sometimes they have somebody like controlling their account, but that's all Ryan Sandberg, right? On your Instagram. That's all me. Yeah. That's all, that's all me for sure. Who got you into Instagram? Was that, that that had to have been somebody like one of one of uh, one of your kids or something like that? Or oh, did you just kids. say, you know what? Oh yeah, it the, was. Oh yeah, the the kids for sure gathered me together probably about five years ago. Whenever I started doing it, and said, hey, you got to get an Instagram. I said, what? And they said, well, you got to be on Facebook or Instagram. I said, for what? And then just to, it's good. It's good to have that. So you know, they show me show me how to do it and made my first post and. Uh, and then uh, I've never stopped. So it's uh, I get a kick out of it. Uh, can't wait to, like I say, get back to um, get back to the baseball aspect of my Instagram and show some things that the, the fans uh, kind of share my experience, maybe on a daily basis uh, there at Wrigley Field, uh, whether it's pregame or during the game or 
different vantage points, whatever, just share what's happening and send it out. And and you never in a million years thought that you would be somebody who would be a pretty consistent poster on any kind of social media forum, let alone one of the, the, the more hip forms and popular forms on Instagram. I bet you never thought well, that that would be part of your M.O. Well, no, they didn't have it back. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, I even that, even when even when your kids yeah, were telling right. you to get into it, right? Right. No, no, I didn't think that was for me at all well, whatsoever. I thought that was more of a young kid's thing or whatever, but... To be able to uh, to be in a spot and just look around and say, wow, this would be great to share it and uh, show everybody what's happening. Um, you know, it's it's very cool. So uh, I, I seem to get most of the comments about uh, really good baseball shots with uh, Hall of Famers or Cubs players, uh, those types of anything with baseball uh, up close where I'm at. Those types of things seem to get the best response. So uh, that's where I usually uh, – Trying to put my focus. Well, keep them coming, man. And I always appreciate talking to you, and we'll talk to you <laughs> down the road. Once once this thing gets started for real and we can really talk, you know, baseball minutia, we'll, I'll give you a call again. There you go. All right. Sounds good, Mark. All right, man. That is Ryan Sandberg, the the Hall of Famer. Yeah, he I, I had to ask him that because, like, he's good, he's good at Instagram. And, uh, yeah, I guess I'm being a little bit of an ageist when I – when I thought, you know, maybe somebody else was running his Instagram or helping him out with it, or maybe his wife was doing it, or, but no, it's it's all Rhino. You should follow Ryan Sandberg on Instagram. I mean, I and he is Ryan is considerably younger than my dad, but I have been trying for years to work. Let's just say work with my dad on Instagram. You know, he kind of got it at first, but he's like, now, who are these people? Now, who are these people that are well, like, what's this like business? I, I, what, what's going on? Now, why is that person on my, why he request a friendship? Why does he want to be friends with me? I don't even know. Okay. So I, and I think we've just about given up on the Gary Grody Facebook page, but it might still be up and it's all my doing. So, and uh, the, the, the unanswered messages by him, <laughs> are immaculate they are immaculate um one thing on the cubs man when i turned it i was kind of in and out i was listening on the radio and, and watching on tv as well but it was early in the game and at this point i was watching and the cubs had runners on first and second and nobody ever one out one out here comes chris bryant and easy ground ball to shortstop double play six four three boom and I'm like, oh no, not not. The, I mean, and nobody's gonna make a big deal out of it in spring training, but that was one of the things that started to show itself with with Chris Bryant and his ability to get those clutch RBI hits and hit with runners in scoring position and all of that kind of stuff, and just the offense in general for the Cubs. So it was an interesting point for me to to begin to or start to focus on what was actually going on in this Cubs-White Sox game today, which the Cubs lost 3-1 to one to the White Sox. That said, we will talk White Sox in about 20 minutes from now, 7.40. James Fegan, White Sox writer for The Athletic, will join us. We'll talk about the Sox and if there are any concerns, because I think we're just about out of concerns for the White Sox. It's like, talk about a team that just needs to play for real 
because there's only so many glowing things we could say about the Sox. But we'll we'll get James Fegan's insights. We'll pick his brain on the White Sox. And when we return, let's get back to some of our, our Bears conversation and specifically scouting a couple other quarterbacks. We talked about Mac Jones and Kyle Trask earlier. Let's get into Jamie Newman and, hello, Newman, and Kellen Mund as well. We tell you who they are, who they play for, how good they are, how good they might not be as well. That's coming up. It's Grody with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. He's not their best quarterback. He's a piece of crap. This is Sports Radio 670, The Score, and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. He kind of reminds me of a, a Ben Roethlisberger when you look at Kyle Trask. He's just kind of a big old horse who's got a big arm that you know a lot of people like his skill set and what he brings to the table, but he's not... His name's not being thrown out there with some of the top guys that everybody has, has fallen in love with. Former Bears quarterback Jim Miller talking about Florida quarterback Kyle Trask. Yeah, he's a big boy, 6'5", 240. The WalterFootball.com scouting report, exceptional pocket presence, deadly pocket passing ability, accurate passer, good ball placement, can beat good coverage with, uh, with pass placement. Uh, weaknesses, a couple statue in the pocket. Yeah, not a running threat. Needs to improve pocket manipulation. Struggles to avoid the rush. But he's big, and he's definitely a guy that the Bears probably could have if if they if they wanted him. Welcome back into the show. I'm Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score here with you until nine o'clock tonight. At which time we will play the best of the score, some of the best content of the day between nine and ten. Still to come. In about 15 minutes, we'll talk White Sox with James Fegan of The Athletic. Cody Westerland of The Score staff covers the Bulls for us. He will be on with us at 8 o'clock. And you are welcome as well at any time. 312-644-6767. That is the phone number and the text number. I'm on Twitter at Mark Grody Sports. All right, let's continue on with a couple of more scouting reports on potential picks that the Bears may have available to them at quarterback. And, again, Pete Futek, who covers college football, was on with Lawrence Holmes earlier today. Gives you a deeper cut on Wake Forest and Georgia quarterback Jamie Newman. The guy I kind of like is going to come on the cheap, and that's Jamie Newman. Out of, you know, He was Wake Forest, transferred to Georgia, would have been the Georgia starting quarterback, but he sat out because of COVID issues, backslash I don't think he really wanted to play college football anymore. Uh, but he's, he's the tools guy. He's 6'4", he's very mobile, got the humongous arm. You know, There's the guy who's got everything NFL tools related that you might want, and he will be available uh, either in the second round or beyond. And there's kind of your on-the-cheap sh- on guy to develop uh, if you're assuming Andy Dalton is going to be your quarterback for the next two years or so. So that's Pete Futak talking about Jamie Newman. A little bit more on him. Newman has a powerful arm and is capable of making all the throws he throws a nice deep ball and is able to locate his passes well downfield with good touch. Newman can put air underneath the ball and loft the throws, but he still has the power to fire fastballs into tight windows. Newman can throw accurately, but could stand to continue to prove in that regard. Improving his footwork and not throwing flat-footed will help to get his passes more precise. So just a little bit on Jamie Newman, perhaps a dark horse. 312 Tom in Kenosha. You are on the score. Hi, Tom. 
Oh, we don't have Tom. I'm sorry. How about Nick and Niall? We have Nick? Hello, Bro, Nick. You're on the up, screen. What's up, bud? Hey, so you called George a super fan, but, man, I got to completely disagree with you. I mean, I'm a super fan, and I know I would have fired Fox or probably never hired Fox. And if I was drafting a quarterback, I would have grabbed somebody offensive, and I would never have drafted Watson. So we got to stop with the super fan, throwing that around. That's not fair. <laughs> Can't do okay. it. It's a super fan standoff? Is that what this is? That's what this is, Grote. That's what it is. Okay. All right. Fair enough, man. Appreciate it, Dick. Yeah, I, I didn't want to erupt or awaken the super fans out there. How dare you call George McCaskey a super fan? No, he kind of is, though. Like, he he's a he's a wear-your-heart-on-the-sleeve guy. You know what I mean? Like, when when he's gone on with Joniak and Thayer up in the booth, I mean, you can feel it, man. He's like everybody else. He's like, come on, man. When are we going to get a quarterback? Um, you know, you could question some of the execution that has occurred, but uh, he is fan friendly, and I'm gonna stay with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna be strong about this, despite Nick and Niall, the super fan. I am gonna stick with it that he is a super fan. He is. There there is no doubt about it. Um, all right, one more three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. If you if you want to try to top that, one more quarterback prospect at least for tonight that we'll talk about. Kellen Mond, Texas Tech. First, here's Pete Futek. On- what do you think of Kellen Mond? Eh, I, underwhelming. Like, I just, he never really put to, put it together. I mean, part of it was the offense, and that's that's going to be kind of the interesting part for the NFL GMs because Texas A&M plays a real slow and stodgy style. Their their offense has always been about ball control, time of possession. Uh, just you, you, they can't grind things down. They're kind of the Virginia basketball of college football. So Mon never really turned it loose. Great runner, four year starter. Uh, he won a lot of games and he was good last year. He just wasn't kind of amazing and that's he, he's going to be a decent uh prospect but again he just never really did it at the college level and he doesn't really have any one standout trait that says yeah that guy is you know got some sort of freakish ability that some of these other guys you know don't have makes sense what pete futek is saying there because uh, on the other scouting report i have here walterfootball.com some of the strengths for kellen mond Good ball security, avoided turnovers, quality intangibles, and upside. So he is careful, conservative, not going to get crazy, probably not going to be a star, but it sounds like there's something there. Uh, A couple of the weaknesses, inconsistent, streaky passer, narrow frame as well. So that's Kellen Mund, another guy who might be there for the Bears, whether in the first round or the second round, or even in the third round. 312-644-6767. Wayne in Lafayette. What's going on, Wayne, or how are you? Grody, grody, old buddy. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm always well. You know that. Yeah, you betcha. You betcha, man. Hey, you you know what? You need to have a contest sometime, and and, and for the for the prize, you need to have a two all-expense-paid tickets to accompany Joe Ostrowski to the Gamblers Anonymous meeting of their choice in in Chicago, wouldn't that be a great? Prize? He doesn't need to go there. He, he, he's a he, Joe's a smart gambler. He doesn't need uh, he doesn't need Gamblers Anonymous. And if he and if he does, I'll hook him up. 
He's great. He's a great guy. I like Joe, man. He's one of the best too. But not like not like you, man. You're you're up there on a, on a pedestal all your own, old buddy. <laughs> I appreciate man, I'll that, tell you man. What. Hey, hey, I want to tell you one one baseball thing before I go. One of my most memorable night days and nights I've ever had was when I got to talk to you just before the Cubs won the World Series. You were out there in Cleveland, and I got to get on the radio with you just before oh, the Cubs man. won it. And that was that was an extra that was an extra special moment in my life, old buddy. And I mean it, mean oh. that from the bottom of my heart. So. Oh, thanks, Wayne. But, so you came, you got on, you were on the pregame show when we were taking calls. When we were doing our yeah, uh, yeah. monster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got to talk to you just just before the Cubs won it all, buddy. That was a great deal. So, oh, anyway, hey, um, what's going on with our buddy Mr. Hicks and Mr. Patterson, man? I'll tell you what, we need to keep those guys around. If Pace upset Mr. Hicks, he needs to go and apologize to him from the bottom of his heart and say, hey, I don't know what I was thinking. I was emotionally paralyzed. Something was going on in my mind, and I wasn't right at that de- at that time. And we sure want you around, Mr. Hicks. Well. Yeah, man. Well, Wayne, I, I appreciate your call. Appreciate the kind words. Always great to hear your voice. And uh, I, thanks for putting me up on that pedestal. I do appreciate that. I hope that the the clearing of $11 million in cap space from Kyle Fuller is enough for the Bears, or they're not thinking, like, is this is this the best time to pull off a deal for Akeem Hicks? Now, if it if it somehow betters a team or it goes towards some sort of massive trade, then you accept it. But what I'm getting to is I agree with you, Wayne. I hope that Akeem Hicks is back as well. Um, you know, you lost Roy Robertson Harris. Not that he was dominant, but he turned into a really nice player on the Bears' watch. And I think some of that can be attributed to the work of Akeem Hicks. So, yeah, the Bears are better if if Akeem Hicks is on the team. As far as Cordero Patterson is concerned, I know he wants to be back with the Bears, you know. And uh, and I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what's what's going on. I have I have not heard from Cordero Patterson nor the Bears on that. But obviously, he was terrific for the Bears last year on special teams, even when he got it on offense. He made some plays. I know he frustrated people at times. Not him, but maybe the usage of him. But, yeah, of course. Uh, I would definitely hope that Cordero Patterson makes his way back to the Bears as well. But I'm, I'm sure they're they're weighing every possible scenario in order to, to hopefully do that and maybe even get him here for more than just another extra year added on to his Chicago Bears life. We'll talk more Bears later, but when we come back, let's talk about those those White Sox. James Fegan of The Athletic will join us next. I'm Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. I just think continuing to foster a great environment in our clubhouse, our family environment, um, mutual respect between everyone, Tony being very open and honest about you know, the things on his mind going into this season. We, we love that. That's what we're all about here is everyone respecting each other and being honest. And on the baseball side, the way our spring training has been ran, uh, it, it's been great. You know, we, we kind of broke it into different tiers of, you know, this is the effort level and, and how we're preparing. Uh, just very specific, very focused work. Um, it's been a great environment that he's kind of created for us here. White Sox ace Lucas Giolito talking about the clubhouse and 
his manager, Tony LaRussa. Mark Grody back with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, we got a ways to go. We're on until 9 o'clock tonight. Forward to talking to you more later. 312-644-6767. White Sox did beat the Cubs today. 3-1 the final score. And let's talk White Sox baseball now with James Fegan, Sox writer for The Athletic. What's going on, James? How are you, man? Doing all right. How are you? I am doing well, and uh, it has been good to hear what Lucas Giolito just said and hearing that really from many players and as it pertains to Tony La Russa, who he said has been open and and honest and not wanting to interrupt what has been, as you well know, a very good clubhouse culture. Do you expect it to stay that way? Has La Russa, like officially passed some test with this team. He's passed like a test in terms of, I think a lot of people um, predicted like immediate friction. Um, And I would say that he seems like he's handled the, uh, you know, starting the relationship really well. I think more or less, we all know following baseball that spring training is generally the time where every single thing is going right. And everything is, as good as can be. So as far as like the actual difficult conversations and you know, handling points of uh, friction when you're, you know, reducing someone's playing time or uh, setting someone down or changing somebody's role or, uh, you know, keeping composure during a losing streak or, you know, when someone's you know, playing through injury, that, that obviously is like yet to be really tested. Probably like the first really tough conversation was probably the other day when they sent Ronaldo Lopez out. Um, right, but I would say as far as like the initial things that people are worried about, the idea that like him and Tim Anderson wouldn't see eye to eye or something like that, or they wouldn't be able to win over uh, the clubhouse that really bonded under like Rick uh Yeah, it seems like he's handled that very well. Uh, it seems like you know there's a lot of smart things that were done in terms of meeting Tim, um, you know, before spring started and really hashing that out, or or the degree to which you know Albert Pujols played a role in kind of you know, getting Jose Abreu on board right away. And, you know, when you have those kind of two guys who are, you know, co-signing everything from the start, you know, that's, that's obviously a very good and astute start uh, for him to make to, 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 you know, make this transition smooth. Yeah, and, and you make a great point. There's 162 games to go. So, you know, when, once this thing gets real and we'll see how well it goes to that. Well, one of the things I was thinking about today, or maybe it was yesterday about the Sox, or maybe really any day about the Sox, is get the damn season started because there is there is so much good, so much expectation, and very few areas of actual concern on this on this White Sox team. Do you have that feeling like from Sox players that that this year they're more anxious to get it going for real because they just keep hearing about how great they are? Uh, not necessarily, I would say. Uh, I mean, sure, they're excited for the season, uh, but, you know, the 2018 team was excited as well. I don't, I don't mean to, like, uh, kind of be the rainy cloud and everything. But, yeah, I, everyone's optimistic. Everyone uh, you know, has a lot of high expectations. There's, there's also a sense of, you know, the real – what they're really talking about all season – uh, or what they're really talking about all camp is how this team is going to shape up for October. And it's not to like write off the season as like a foreground conclusion or anything, but everything is kind of geared towards 
not like, you know, super eagerness and let's start the season at 150 miles an hour, but like, how can we um, kind of slow build up Dallas Keuchel so that he's strong in the playoffs? How are we going to manage um, the innings of everybody so that, you know, you're not seeing a lot of your rotation wear down um, by the time, you know, playoffs wear around like you know, Michael Kopech right now I think he came out the other game and like worked like uh say you know four outs basically that's only really the start of how much they're going to have him ramped up um by the time the season goes along and you know the same for you know Garrett Crochet is not throwing full out uh in, in bullpen they're expecting his velo to jump up so like as much as like yeah everyone's excited this is a big season there's a lot of like measuredness to the action to where I think you know, people are not going as full go as they will be, um, you know, in the middle of the season. But, you know, if you were watching that Giants game, uh, you know, they were like Tim Anderson and Neil Jimenez are cranking huge homers in the first day and look at Shulita look sharp. Yeah, I, I definitely think you can see like the start of the season, the team's ready. Do you, you mentioned Michael Kopech, and I'm going to throw Garrett Crochet in there as well in this question. Do you think that either of those guys will make starts? this year for the White Sox, or is this just, have they decided that the plan is for them to be in the bullpen and then we'll see next year about the starting rotation? I think the plan is for them to be in the bullpen. I really don't see the functionality for Crochet to stretch out there in any form. Like at this point, they're not even really working on him doing multiple innings very much. So it could happen because probably just will happen later in the season. Kopech is the one where they're working already on multi-inning outings and they're just going to keep rationing up. Um, it's definitely not plan A. I think plan A is that, you know, Dylan Seath and Carlos Verdon are strong throughout the season, that you have really, um, you know, good looks at Lambert and, and Seaver and, you know, ideally Lopez turns around at some point, and you have a lot of depth options. But I think they definitely have to be aware of the idea that their rotation is kind of straggling again at the end of the season. And if Kopech is, you know, looking really good in, you know, three and eight outings or something like that, then why would you close that door all the way? But, it's definitely not an idea. The the plan is to just, you know, push someone out of the rotation for Kopech at some point. And that's, that's, you know, things working out. I think that's more, you know, your hand is forced. And even then they'd probably be very squeamish about it and want to make sure that everything as far as performance indicators for Kopech indicate that he's strong and not tapering off. And really that's a lot of factors that have to come in confluence for me to believe that would really happen. Talking to James Feegan, White Sox writer for The Athletic. I'm Mark Grody on the score. Do you suspect that that Liam Hendricks will indeed be the ninth inning guy the majority of the time, or will they will they tinker with that? Yeah, I think it would be majority. I don't think it'll be every single save recorded by a White Sox reliever will be by Liam Hendricks. I don't think there'll be absolutist spiller, but I think – I don't think it's any sort of like super hybrid role where he's moving out of the ninth inning all the time. The fact that they would be flexible about it and, you know, have him towards the eighth if the biggest outs uh, are available in the eighth, it's really not like too crazily dissimilar from, uh, I don't think it'd be a big departure from how they used out Calme last year with Rupert Elias. That, you know, if they, you know, as, as much as that was prompted by, you know, the bullpen not being as deep as it is now, I think it's just more you're going to have the functionality for him to move out and you know, get high leverage out from the eighth and Hendricks being Hendricks, you probably can just go ahead and bring it back out for the ninth and he gets the save anyway. I, I think he's going to, I don't think the way he's going to be using the closer is going to be a lot more different uh, from other teams in the league. Um, I just think it's not going to be rigid like, you know, Buckshaw Walter with Zach Britton either.
Right, right. Um, how is how is Yohan Moncada? Is he is he a hundred percent? Everything you know, full go for him this spring. Everything. I'm the one who's been trying to be all skeptical, like because I, I talked to him in January and he said like, you know, I feel great. I can train like I normally do. I'm fine. And I think the reaction was like, all right, Yohan Moncada is going to have an MVP season because he says. Uh, you know, he's not feeling the physical lingering effects anymore. And I would say, like, all right, you know, it's great that he feels great while he's working out, but let's see how he does um, on the field, How see how he does playing back back days. Let's see how he does during the season starts. And that's still true to a degree, but, like, you really just don't see any of the signs that you saw last year because it was so in your face last year. He was any big exertion of uh, burst of speed or, um, you know, the game, like seventh inning at bat, catching up the velocity, it was just so clear that like that was not fully there, that he was physically diminished. And there's just so it's very clear that there's just no sign of that right now, and that all the speed and fluidity and the you know, extra burst on the base pass that seems to be with him. So yeah, it remains to be seen. But I think if he, there's as many indicators in spring training could possibly give that he's fine and he's back. I, now even before he got sick, I didn't know if it was how easy it was going to be to replicate 2019 where I think he literally had a bat of over 400, but I would, I would think that there should be plenty of confidence and plenty of faith that, you know, them making him a cleanup hitter, um, you know, him starting a bunch of games at third base, uh, you know, the vast majority, 140 games a season. That's, that's all realistic expectations now, I feel. Yeah. And it was, it's interesting because, Going into that season last year, it seemed like, and again, as you said, based on 2019, as far as MVP was concerned, he was the name that a lot of White Sox people were saying, watch Moncada, he could end up in the MVP voting. Then, of course, it goes to Jose Abreu, and Tim Anderson competed for it as well. And Anderson's the guy I'm circling right now. What does he do for an encore? Is there yet another level to his game? Because it seems like there is another level every single year. I mean, I think the, the main thing for Tim, I mean, it's hard to say how is this guy going to hit for higher average. I, I, I think the main thing he flashed last year that I'd be interested to see if it could sustain is that, uh, you know, it was a lot of power. Um, it was like a, a 200 ISO. Um, and if you're someone who's hitting 300 regularly, uh, just because you're making that much contact and that comes with that level of power production, you're going to be consistently slugging over 500. And, yeah, that's really a cool trick to pull out of, you know, being a leadoff hitter and the, at the top of the defensive spectrum. So if that's consistent, I don't know if maybe that goes away a little bit with dead and balls or, um, you know, if he's working off the field, um, does it make it a little bit harder for him to tap into that consistently? But if he's the sort of power hitter he was, you know, last year, and maybe last year is a little bit easy because one hot streak where you hit six home runs in a month kind of is, you know, makes your whole season. Um, yeah, that, that that's probably the big step that he could take is, is just doing that on a consistent basis. And you know, that's a really scary hitter. And you know, that's probably somebody who can uh, start making a case for you know extending him beyond what his contract even takes him at. Yeah, I mean, they put they signed him to a nice long-term team-friendly contract early, and, he, and it would be wise of the Sox to eventually redo that because he doesn't look like he's going to fall off anytime soon. All right, last question, man, because I'm required to ask you this. Catcher depth chart behind uh, Yasmani Grandal, what's it looking like in your mind? I think their preference is Lucroy, and that's okay. the reason Lucroy is brought in, and he's got a lot of uh, trust from the veterans on that staff. 
that said, I there's not much more. Like, I think Shaq Holmes has had like a couple wild pitches, and you know he has one pass ball. But like realistically, he's done absolutely everything he could um, to to show that he's better, to show that he's capable of contributing. And when I talked to Rick Hahn, um early in training, he said, you know, when he was given his like kind of explanation of why support, why they just basically are turning over DH to Andrew Vaughn, he said like Zach Collins belongs in that same group of young players who want to blend in. So I don't know exactly what I'll look like. I don't know where there's a path to every day at bats for him in any reasonable way. And I still, you know, I'm slightly betting against them to break the open day roster, but they're going to try to have to work him in some way because, you know, he's already done all he can in AAA and he's done all he can in spring training. If nothing else, you've got a guy who can hit right-handed pitching. So there's going to be use for that. I just don't know where. And I, I don't know even if, you know, a backup catcher role behind possibly the best catcher in baseball was the best usage to really get him involved anyway. So I guess we'll see. James, appreciate your time as always, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. You got it, man. James Fegan, White Sox writer for The Athletic. And as you could hear, always great information. I mean, there's not a lot of great questions about the White Sox right now. Like, we need them to start playing and seeing if they can live up to what we all think they are. The talent is there. It's there. They they are capable of doing damage in the postseason. When we return... We are going to talk about the Chicago Bulls. The trade deadline is, what, two days away? So we'll talk to Cody Westerland about the Bulls. He is from 670thescore.com, another guy with great information. Cody is next. I'm Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. He has a soul and a spirit, which I think is important. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 